welcome to The Great Connect. This is Amy. And this is Carrie. And today we're joined by Erica Ziegelman. She's a certified integrative leadership coach committed to supporting new and rising leaders to discover how to become the most conscious and impactful leaders they can be without sacrificing their personal lives or burning out. Something that's obviously near and dear to the hearts of Amy and I as well. (laughs) Erica specializes in coaching leaders to hone their authentic leadership style by building emotional intelligence, interpersonal skills, and management expertise. She also supports those who feel overwhelmed by the stress of their roles to develop sustainable behaviors to prevent burnout and deliver optimal performance. And she, of course, therefore, could not be a better guest for the great (laughs) Hey, Erica. Hey, I'm so, so excited to be here. We're so happy you joined us. Thank you. I know we're all very like-minded. Yes. (laughs) We had such an amazing conversation like we always do before we hit record. And today we talked about a little bit as we kick off all of our episodes, how are we on the humanometer, which actually kicked off a whole conversation of itself. So I'm thinking of the humanometer as the higher on the scale, one to 10, the more human I feel, and it's a better thing. And I'm, I, and the cheese stands alone. My interpretation was like, the more messy I feel, the higher human I feel, (laughs) the more human. (laughs) And it's so funny you said that because literally the last couple of days, I've been thinking about that, that like, I actually think the, like, it's the opposite scale for me. I'd originally thought, yeah, I feel human. I feel good in my body. I feel good. And then I'm like, actually, I think the way I feel more human is when things are in chaos. And then it's like, oh, right. This is, this is really human. <laughs> it's humbling so we're, to be human. we're going with both. Yeah. We're going with both interpretations. That's the fun part. So with my interpretation, I'm at, I'm at a nine. I feel pretty rocking today. Nice. Excellent. How about you, Erica? I'm going to say I'm an eight. I had therapy this morning. There's nothing to make you feel more human than diving deep. So yeah, I think I'm at an eight today. Nice. Nice. I know. I don't know which way to interpret it today. (laughs) I'm not feeling great. So I'm going to give myself a low number, but I'm going to qualify that with it feels excessively human because the situation that's presenting itself is like humanity on its face. Like my son is young and all of a sudden he's facing human adversity. And that is making me feel excessively human, but not in a great way. So that's Mm -hmm. how I'm going to interpret my two rating on the humanometer today. So yeah, but That is why we come together and continues to inspire me to do this because the more that we can inspire other people to improve their lives, make the world a happier, better, more fulfilling place, the more that will trickle down. And he's an inspiration for me day in and day out to be that. And so to see him have to face what I hope to change in the world is Mm -hmm. like a double whammy. Mm. I can blame the parents, right? (laughs) no 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 okay I mean okay we'll detour for a hot second which is they're all little kids and I am trying really hard to lead with love right that they're all learning how to be human there yeah we are as well right um and I'm just trying to help him and them learn a little bit younger than I did so that they don't have to kind of unlearn and relearn later in life but So, you know, I kind of try to lead with grace and the fact that, you know, these little kids are just expressing 
either what they've seen, what's been done to them, et cetera, which is how he has expressed what I think is happening to him. He kind of did that to me. And I was able to connect the dots of, oh, wait, did this happen to you? Is that why you did this to me? And he said, mm-hmm. yeah. So, well, that's the reason I said, let's bring the par- bring the parents because, and I joke, but, but um, I hear you, but like the kids have learned that from their parents, no? Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Older brothers and sisters, other oh, okay, kids in fair. class, right? Like okay. had my son done what was done to him to some other kid, he would have perceivably gotten in trouble, right? Um, but he learned it from somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think there's a start and an end to this. I definitely mm-hmm. spent some time thinking about like how some of this stuff just persists and grows. And I think there's a lot to unpack there, but mm-hmm. for another episode, okay. um, <laughs> but that's Thanks where I am today and is why I'm so happy to have Erica here to share um, how she's inspiring other people to really gain the skills so that we can all live a more authentic and true and aligned life. So yeah, that's the dream. That is the dream. So and kids Erica, are such powerful mirrors too. They are. They really, really are. You know, I think it's really interesting to kind of lead into you and your story as well, right? Kids are powerful mirrors. We don't sometimes give them that power and allow ourselves to see it. And I think also that translates into the world around us, right? That like there are mirrors to us all the time, how somebody reacts to us, how a situation happens, how a meeting evolves, how a project unfolds, et cetera. And we need to embrace kind of the mirrors that are out there. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just picturing all, all of our little children running around our corporate offices and teams bumping into each other's unresolved childhood trauma. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I had therapy this morning, so (laughs) it's fresh. I love that. I love that. Right. Like just like ping pong and like whatever that um, pinball game. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, so Erica, please share with us. We're here to hear your beautiful story. So please share with us how you came to be a coach and how you came to be inspired to help others um, gain these skills. Oh, wow. Well, I guess it always does start when you're a kid. And I was always a a highly sensitive child and very attuned to my family and relationships. Also went through, my, my parents got divorced when I was young. And I think that really shaped a lot of how I started to operate, I adopted that very cliche archetype of the good girl. And it was really important that I didn't rock the boat and cause any more drama. My family had enough drama. And so I just became an achiever. I played sports. I got good grades. I was social. I was in all the clubs, got into a good college, started working um, and started my career in advertising and just had a knack for it. I was really good at it. It was back, oh God, many years ago and in like the very early days of digital advertising. And I just kind of hit the wave right right as it was picking up and um, was in that industry for 14 years working for media companies, working for some big tech companies like Apple and Spotify. And rose up the ranks, you know, started as an individual contributor, as an account manager, became a a leader. 
And once I became a, a team manager, I really started to hit this inflection point of feeling like I had quantum leaped into this like huge new level of responsibility and had no safety net. So that was sort of like a very formative moment that led me to do what I do where I was transitioning. You know, I was a, a good, excellent, I guess, um, account manager was recognized with a promotion and then really left on my own to wing it. And so while I figure it out, figured it out, that led to, you know, me just relying on my instincts and overworking and developing some just pretty nasty habits of sacrificing myself for the good of the team, the good of the business, which inevitably led me to burnout multiple times. And through that, I had to get really honest with myself about how I was showing up, how I was showing up as a, as a leader, as an employee, but also how I was really showing up for myself. And I wasn't showing up for myself was, was the truth of it. And so back in 2017, I was just kind of in the pit of my own burnout, hired a coach to help me get through this. And through years really of like radical self-care and deep education and experimentation with holistic wellness, I was able to replenish my reserves and get back into a place where I felt more energized, serendipitously found my way into a coaching program that I was just doing initially to become a better a better leader at the company I was working for at the time. And, and then it just clicked. And I said, hey, there's so many companies that I've now worked for. I've seen this paradigm where individual contributors are promoted into leaders, not given any support. They drive themselves into the ground trying to perform and they do succeed. They have this external success, but internally they're struggling, they're suffering. Um, and so I chose to create what I now call integrative leadership coaching to both help leaders elevate into conscious, confident, empowered managers at whatever stage they are in their leadership journey from first-time managers all the way up to VPs. Mm-hmm. while also maintaining their well-being, which is ironically the number one indicator of performance. If you have good, high, heavy, you know, self-care practices and you're able to maintain your well-being, you're going to perform better in your company. So um, I coach people on putting all of those pieces together. Erica, quick question. How do you feel about like what you just described as an individual contributor getting promoted into a role and they're kind of left to their own devices mm-hmm. in a way that you're a good human and you were kind of, you were run into the ground and it was, it was really um, treacherous for you. I have had, I have a different perspective on individual contributors being promoted because they're good at their day job and mm-hmm. they don't, they don't have that skill set to lead. So I think we're talking about two different things. And by virtue, I think, I think while it is true that those leaders that I run into that are insecure leaders, it's like not being supported on a whole different plane, meaning their their leadership isn't coaching them to be a better human and leader. They're just kind of, and they're not being given any feedback nor assessment on, hey, should you be leading people? <laughs> so I'm not conflicting like your story or experience, but it's more just like this other experience that I had as it relates to individual contributors that got promoted that I'm like, oh gosh, you shouldn't be there. Mm-mm. I'm aggressively nodding my head. If you're listening, <laughs> you can't see us. <laughs> 
Yes, it's both. So yes. there are people who, you know, maybe are have a, a stronger predisposition for leadership or management, mm-hmm. but I strongly disagree with the notion that anyone is born a leader. Leadership yes. is something that we develop, that we yes. learn through training, through experience, through mentorship and coaching. Right. And it is not something that you just magically inherit or like mm-hmm. turn on these skills. There's a switch. Just because you have a new <laughs> title. You get the title and it's like, oh, ping on. Exactly. <laughs> and by the way, we can see your video. So it's good. We can all see yeah, each other. Exactly. Yeah. So no, I agree with you. So it what I always say is when you when you make that transition from individual contributor to a manager, you are making a career change. Like you are no longer the skills Love and the, the talents <gasps> that you had that made you successful as an I see are not the same skills yes. that will help you succeed as a leader. Oh, You're, that's a game changer. On. It's a career Amazing. change. Mm-hmm. Yes. Career change. Ah, awesome. Ah. I love that. That's just like, <laughs> well, duh. <laughs> well, duh. And that's why I'm like, people need support. It shouldn't be so. Why do we assume that people just know what to do? No. It's it's totally unreasonable. And so there's no a one. huge yeah. gap. There's a huge gap and really a huge opportunity for new managers to be better supported and trained so that they feel confident. They feel empowered. They're not left to wing it and figure it out, make all the mistakes, reinvent the wheel. We can give them the tools and the frameworks and and the feedback so that they actually can do that with more confidence, with more competence. Yeah. You talked about in your experience, kind of not having a safety net. I'd love to hear what kind of you see as the safety net or what you would have liked in Mm. that moment for yourself. Yeah. So what I was specifically referring to in my experience was when I was first promoted to lead a team, I was an an IC on that team. And my boss, who was very well loved and admired, left. It left an opening for this role. And so our senior head of sales at the time asked if anyone on the team wanted to you know, pitch themselves to be promoted to create a 90 day plan. So I created a 90 day plan of what I would do, you know, my 30, 60, 90 days in this role, presented it to him, interviewed, ended up getting selected. And my first and maybe only one-on-one with this more senior leader who was, was my direct manager at that time, he said, okay, so go do that 90 day plan that you created. And I just remember like even now i feel like my body tensing up i just remember the feeling of being like oh crap i'm on my own yeah like, what and us being superpower women like we've always been taught just to power through it just plow yep. through it just do it and yep. by virtue of being us we're going to figure it out exactly but, it, but at what cost exactly know? that's what kicked in for me like well i'm just going to figure it out i'm just yeah. figure it out I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to rely on myself. Mm -hmm. I'm going to rely on my instincts. I will talk to, you know, other mentors and I will figure it out. But not having a safety net for me meant not having any kind of support system. I did not have any structure that was put in place to guide me. And like a so professional, professional, professional. Sorry. Yeah. but you had a personal support system. Hopefully. Yes, yes, yes. I okay, had a personal okay. support yeah. system, but as mm-hmm. far as how to be a manager, yeah, I received yeah. no training probably like four years into management was when I had my first official manager oh training. Well, and even more yeah. egregiously, not you, you know, I feel like a lot of people ex- like experience that where there is no 
training and we don't have this expectation around it, but you actually had an absentee boss, right? That yes, yes. some bosses, I'm using that term specifically, expect that them being hands-off is helping you succeed rather mm. than saying, okay, let's talk through this plan. How are you going to put this into action? I'm mm-hmm. here to like help guide you because this is the first time you've ever done anything like that. Exactly. So yeah. So what I see as a a safety net organizations who do this well is already assuming and expecting that people will need a high level of support and training as they make this transition. And that is an extremely worthwhile investment for the company to make. in their leaders, because the habits that they develop early on are going to have a huge ripple effect across the teams that they lead. They're going to model what management looks like for the next generation of leaders, right? Because we're always one step ahead of that next generation. Mm -hmm. And so a healthy safety net, just to use that term, is where companies have management onboarding, they have management training, they maybe have a cohort of new managers who are going through this experience at the same time and can lean on each other for support, or they have more senior leaders who are deliberately in place as mentors, where that's a a formalized process. There's learning and development or people in culture teams are involved in support and making sure that these budding emerging leaders are set up to succeed. Yeah. So the absence of that, and I just did some research literally yesterday on this and and found a stat that um, from Career Builder that 58% of business leaders have never had any formal management training, Not more so. than half. Not so, so in their whole career. And yeah. so that is a huge, huge opportunity and a huge cost of not having that in place. Right. Because we can, we'll continue to go back to your personal story, right? Like, you had a manager who probably never got taught how to manage others and mm-hmm. certainly not how to manage others who are now managing others, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. you want to layer on, like that's a whole new skill set when you start to manage people who are managing other people, because then you're having to teach managers how to be managers, not yes. just lead a team. Yes, we, we have a We have a bunch of highly paid project managers running around. <laughs> Totally. Totally. It's very inception. <laughs> we have to train the managers and then help they need to learn how to train the managers. And oh, I had another point and now I'm losing it. Oh, oh, what I was going to say is that there's there's two elements to management too. There's managing the business and the projects, right? There's like operational tasks and outcomes that you're responsible for. And there's managing the people. And both are equally as important. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's very tempting. And when resources are spread thin and there's limited time, the business is what gets prioritized and managing the people is deprioritized. And that has such a huge cost. So I don't, I don't know if that's, you know, for, for this former leader that I worked for, I don't think he was thinking about the importance of managing the people because there was so much, he had so much on his mind to manage the business. So I know he was doing his best and, you know, indirectly inspired me to now feel very called to shift this whole paradigm. (laughs) So thank you. Right. Like he played played an important role, just not quite the one you felt you wanted at the time. Exactly. I didn't know 10 years later I could, I could be thanking him for that. 
yeah, yeah. It's kind of, that's kind of an awesome uh, sentiment um, at the end of the day. I, you were saying that about managing people and managing the business. And you're right. I experienced that a lot too, where, and in my career, but also as you speak with others, right? The, the old paradigm for what it's worth is managing the business, the things, the money, the movement, the mm-hmm. widgets, the whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And do that at any cost. And I'd offer that actually, the new paradigm is you manage the people, you be the human centered organization. And I bet, I wish I had like a glass ball, but if you do that, the stuff gets done and you achieve success because you've a hundred percent, like if you times get tough, don't do all of this, focus on the people and the people will rise to do the business. And so it's like, we've miscalculated where to spend our energy and now we're in a little bit of this, I think I see what's wrong. And now we're starting to make that shift over to the people, but it is messy. Oh, and it's it is molasses. molasses. Absolutely. And they're just, there's like ships passing in the night. Mm-hmm. I say that a lot, but it it feels like that because when you, I just watched the Titanic for 25th anniversary <laughs> for what it's worth. So I'm going to use this analogy. So, you know, like when they hit the iceberg and they tra- are so trying to turn the engines off and go backwards. And it's like, oh, that's what it feels like to me. Like, that's what I envision. And and when we start talking about something like this, because it's actually top heavy, the tasks right now, because to by default, because that's what we all knew how to do as an individual contributor, you mm-hmm. default to what you know best. So it's like, well, I'm just going to go over here for a minute and hang out. And in the meantime, these people are kind of floundering. And I don't mean to like reference Titanic in that way, but, but, you know, just like I, the big steamers is what I think. Yeah. About. Well, the, what, I mean, what I heard from that is it's much easier to steer the ship correctly from the beginning yeah. than to let it his, hit, you know, approach the iceberg and then have to yeah. change course. And that's why I'm so passionate about training new, they don't have to be young, but new leaders yeah. because let them learn healthy habits from the beginning so that they don't have to unlearn and course correct. And I think the more senior leader you are, the more you're actually managing the people, mm-hmm. at least you should be letting yeah. go of the business and entrusting your team to be managing the business, right? Like you set the direction and the vision and empower your team to follow the roadmap to get yeah. there. Yeah. So I love that. I love that. It's true, right? That's exactly what you said in the very beginning, which is it's a career change. You go from this job to then this job. And that is not doing the work anymore. That's like the number one Mm -hmm. change is how Mm -hmm. the work gets done is different. And I think 99% of the time, we don't even articulate that simple, small fact Mm -hmm. to somebody who's a rising manager or leader, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Right. How you did things before is actually the opposite of how you'll want to get them. Yeah. Yeah. There's this notion of giving away your Legos have you heard of this? No. Where there's a great article that's by, I think, first round that I reference a lot. And they talk about how, you know, as kids, you want to, you collect your Legos so that you can build the tallest tower. And like, you don't want the other kids to take your Legos because you work so hard to build that tower. And we do the same thing in business where we want to hoard our Legos. But the sort of counterintuitive piece is if we give our Legos away, and we empower someone else to go build that tower, optimize that tower, we get to inherit new Legos and build a new 
stronger tower because we have already acquired these skills. And so leaders have a hard time sometimes giving their Legos away Mm -hmm. and empowering their team to manage the tasks in their business. And then they're blocking themselves from taking on new, you know, more strategic challenges because you can't, there's only so many Legos that you can hold at once. Right. Right. The Uh, insecurity is surmountable. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the word that came up for me too, right? Is that that then is how we breed insecure leaders mm-hmm. by not helping them understand what empowerment and collaboration mm-hmm. and all those things are. But instead, I have to keep my Legos and oh yeah, I have a team that they each have their own Legos too, but those are each their own Legos and everybody hold on to your Legos and but we can't build something beautiful together if everybody's kind of like- Exactly. Their Legos yeah, stuff. when we share the Legos, we can build a whole Lego city. Yeah. And yeah. If if anyone needs a tangible example as to don't take my Legos, I once had a CMO of a Fortune 200 company who mandated they see every single email that gets sent out to 30 million plus audience. And so, can you imagine like the bottleneck that that the created? bottleneck? Yeah. On on a daily basis, because we we were all scrambling constantly to try to figure out like when are we going to show them all of this. Oh, you know, cause yeah. they were very protective over this particular segment of the organization. And so, but you can imagine, right? Like, the, so we always were on like this false sense of urgency, like squished mm-hmm. timeline because mm-hmm. we had to, it, people got fired if their eyes weren't on it before they, you know, before it went out the door. So I have so many thoughts on that. So <laughs> I know you do. And so does Harry. It's like, to park that one. Come back you, to you, it another you, time. You both are going to yeah. be like, can you give me that email address? Of that <laughs> That's awesome. And I love that analogy of the Legos and sharing. And how can we truly build something better together when we share our Legos, when we work together, when we maybe give some away and acquire some new ones, right? And we mm-hmm. totally reframe our our perspective on Legos. I'd love to hear you know, you've been coaching for a while now. Do you have any moments where you've seen somebody either rising into being a new leader or having not had the support wanting to kind of recapture what a leader means for them? Do you have any inspiring stories that you could share with us? Yeah, I have had so many just beautiful, powerful, inspiring moments with with some of my clients who are first-time leaders or really maybe not first-time leaders, but stepping into themselves as leaders. And it always comes back to this really deeply internalized sense of safety. Like that's always the foundation. And when people find that and connect to that sense of safety, they just blossom Mm -hmm. and they really come into themselves. And so an example that I'm thinking of is um, I was working with, she was a brand director and she had been hired into this company as a director. She had never been at that that level of seniority before. And she had a lot of imposter syndrome, which is totally natural, very common, especially among women, but just feeling like, oh, I'm like kind of at this new level. I don't know how to show up, how much authority I have. And she was feeling like she had to just say yes to do everything. And she was sort of overcompensating as a result. So every time she came to a meeting, she would bring a deck, whether it was her meeting or not. She was like spending a lot of energy (laughs) creating presentations to to prove basically that she had a point of view, that she was strategic. And she kind of was always like, I need to, to show up and like really blow everyone away. 
And meanwhile, she was spending hours and hours on work that no one needed, no one asked for. And so we had a conversation and I remember getting deep with her on why she felt like she had to do this. And what came up was that she was scared that if she didn't do that, she was going to be fired. And it was such an extreme fear and it felt so real to her. So of course, when you're fearing that you're going to lose your job, your financial security, it pushes you into overdrive, right? To overdeliver. And so we did some work together. Sometimes I'll, you know, I work with different modalities and we did a, a somatic experience where she really got in touch with the feelings and sensations in her body and where that was coming from and what memory it reminded her of, which is often why we operate, right? We're like internally, our, our nervous systems are sort of stuck in the past. And she remembered that when she was young, her father lost his job and how it put the feel, the family into a, you know, insecurity. And she had to get a job, you know, when she was young to help contribute and just how unsafe that made her feel. And she, once we made that connection, she had this emotional release, which is also very common. And then she realized that she doesn't have to fear losing her job, that this was not her, this was not her story. Mm-hmm. She was operating on this subconscious story. So once she was able to do that, she released this need to like impress everyone every time she showed up for a meeting and just started to trust that her presence was enough, yeah. that she just, she knew what she needed to know. She had yes. a strong point of view and like how liberating Kudos, Queen. Yeah. Yeah. I get goosebumps just thinking about it. I know. Because it just flows out of you. And it's funny. This is what resonates. And thank you for sharing that. Carrie and I, when it's almost like she felt scripted. She was like, hold it. It's like if she didn't, um, because Carrie and I don't like to be scripted. It's hard for us because we like to just free flow, free flow thought. And it feels like she didn't trust herself. Mm-hmm. To have that free flow thought, like yeah. it had to be down. The security so, blanket. Queen. Yeah. Queen. Yeah. 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 Oh, I love so much. I mean, dislike as well as love so much about that story. But I can only imagine, like, you're talking about it in the impact that it has in her work life. But I can yes. also only imagine mm-hmm. what that experience for her mm-hmm. unlocked in her whole life. Mm-hmm. That's awesome like it reverberates. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is such a common experience in, we have these things that come up in our personal life that create something in our professional life and then vice versa. And this whole notion of work-life balance is not a thing. It is all life (laughs) and right. It's all interwoven. Life balance. I call it, yeah. Work-life integration. Yes. Yeah. Do do you both, do you both see the posts almost every day about work-life balance? I kind of almost tune them out anymore. (laughs) And I don't mean that in a bad way because I do know a lot of people do struggle with that of overworking and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think we should, I think because we say work-life balance, we say those words, we're already suggesting that they're separate. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And also there's this, that there's this mythical place where you, you achieve balance and then it just stays (laughs) the same. Well, it's that switch again, right? Yeah, exactly. You flip it it and you're good. It's dynamic all the time. So, So one of my coaches used to call it like the dance of like, 
how do you find the dance between work and life, which makes it feel there's more movement to it. There's more flow and expecting that to be dynamic versus yeah. something that is a fixed destination that we can ever. Achieve. I shifted at a certain point. I think it was roughly around the time that I had my first child of switching it from saying balance, looking for, you know, I'm working on that balance or finding balance to say I'm balancing and mm-hmm. so like there is no balance but i'm constantly balancing right mm-hmm. and because it's an active state mm-hmm. it is not mm-hmm. a state that you achieve and i think that that's a really small but important shift to your point about the yes. dance right that it's like yeah. and some days balance is going to feel way over here and other days balance is going to feel way over here it's not some like 50-50 or certain right and I think the other myth is that companies are going to give this to you yes. as an employee. Right. It is something that, I mean, companies should be aware of and right-size the workloads so that they're achievable in the given hours of the work week. But it is up to each individual to manage that for themselves and to have have healthy boundaries with how much they're willing to work and how they're prioritizing their personal well-being and their personal lives. I was just going to say that, right? Like to set your own boundaries and I'm going to bring it full circle back to us because I feel like that's something as a rising new leader, manager, you have to reevaluate your boundaries because your boundaries are going to change naturally in this career change for you. Oh yes. That is something that I focus a lot on is making that very proactive and from day one, right? Because if you start and you're on Slack 24-7 and people know that you're going to respond to their email at 11 o'clock at night, that's that's what they expect from you. But if And that's also what you're modeling for your team. Yes. I talk about this so yes. much. It's not only for yourself. When you're a leader, you have people watching you. Yeah. Like this, you are, you are setting the example. Yeah. So having those boundaries from the beginning of, you know, I'm available during these business hours. If there's an emergency, here's how you can contact me. Otherwise I'll get back to you during business hours. Mm-hmm. And that is such, it seems small maybe, but that is like a huge shift in I, people reclaiming their, their work-life integration. Absolutely. And I think as a manager, one of the things that we often gloss over is you by setting this boundary for yourself that I trust you that you can handle this when I'm away, right? Like I empower you as my team member. Mm-hmm. I trust you. Mm-hmm. You don't need you don't need me. If you need me, fine. But like if I'm always accessible, if I'm always jumping into things, I erode I tell my team inadvertently that I don't trust them Absolutely. to do the work, right? And mm-hmm. I think that's like a talk about switch. I wish we could flip that switch because I feel that it's one of those things that I don't know how it got flipped into the wrong position, but for some reason we've created the idea that you have to be accessible 24 seven in order to be a good leader or boss or whatever. Mm. But the reality is it's kind of actually the opposite. Yeah. Trust is a verb too. Trust is also something that you have to work toward. And, and it's also about empowerment because if you are empowering your team to, or, you know, your employees to deliver something. And you're there for that, that safety net or that air cover, the guidance, you know, you're providing the direction and then empowering them to solve the problems and deliver the outputs that drive the outcomes. 
that's how the trust is built. Yeah. So going back to Amy's story with the CMO, that team is just going to be living in fear forever. <laughs> and trust cannot thrive when it's, you know, in an environment of fear. Fear, fear was the exact word. Yeah, yeah, fear was the exact word. And to your point about no matter how small, when I was a leader in my most recent role, I would literally block my my team's calendars like in the morning, over lunch, and like after a certain amount of time. And I, at the same time, I'm like, you're all, you're all grown. So if they're, I get that. So it's like, if you feel like you're going to, um, like I had one person who was on a different time zone. So it wouldn't be abnormal for her to pop in like on a Saturday at 2 PM or something to do something. But I was like, don't feel like you have to, but if that's something like, I always like set those guardrails. It's mm-hmm. like, if you, if it, you're a grown up, you're an adult mm-hmm. professional. So if you feel compelled, but like, don't feel again, it sets, it sets the tone that, um, I don't expect that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Giving them mm-hmm. self-authority is really mm-hmm. important too. Um, but yeah, I think we have a, a backwards, I don't, I think this is shifting, but a backwards culture of like the busy you, you are, the harder you're working and the more praise you get. And I, worked very hard when I was in the corporate space to check in with my employees and make sure they were not working nights and weekends, that if they did, that was a rare exception or an extenuating circumstance and making sure that we were able to prioritize so that they can get their work done in the workday and like go live their lives and and recharge, which is a virtuous cycle that makes them more engaged, that makes them happier Mm -hmm. and more satisfied and more creative at work. So it's beneficial all around. A thousand percent. I feel like we could talk for three to four more Mm -hmm. hours. (laughs) And so we'll certainly have to take a couple of these topics and create them as special containers that you can come back and join us to kind of dig Mm -hmm. dig deeper on a couple of these because there are multiple that (laughs) I would love to just go off on a tangent and talk about because I think it would be an amazing conversation. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, I want to thank you for coming and joining us and talking about your personal story and how you're bringing more of this into the world to help leaders. And I think it's much needed and you are a great shepherd for that. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And it's so fun to geek out with people who <laughs> have had this, you know, similar experiences and also have a similar mission of changing things moving forward because people, leaders, human beings deserve so much more. So much more. I love that. I love that. So we will share in the show notes um, everywhere that you can find Erica on her LinkedIn, as well as Instagram and her website. And we look forward to also having you join her and join us in the Human Array uh, community in a couple of weeks. And so um, with that, is there anything else you'd like to leave us with or talk about how people can engage with you? Yeah, I will just share that I created a resource that is really jam-packed with amazing tips on how to become a successful leader. It's, it was designed for new leaders, but it's really reminders for all of us, regardless of your seniority. It's called the three ways, sorry, the three secrets to becoming a successful leader and how to embody them. And it is available on my website. And when you sign up, you will get this 10-page interactive workbook, as well as get signed up for my newsletter, which is called The Leader's Lifeline. And so I would love to have you as part of the community. Reach out, contact me to chat. I'm always excited to connect with like-minded leaders. 
Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing. Um, we appreciate it. And we can't wait to have you back again to geek out some more. <laughs> Anytime. I look forward to it. Thank you so much.